0: This episode of this podcast is making me thirsty is brought to you by Monks Cafe. Welcome to this podcast is making me thirsty. The number one destination for Seinfeld fans. This episode 59. In this episode we talked to Peggy Lane O'Rourke. Peggy was in over a dozen episodes of Seinfeld from 1992 through 1998. Thank you for listening. If you dig it, pass it on. Follow us on Twitter at This Thirsty. Subscribe to YouTube channel. Email us at This Podcast is Making Me Thirsty at gmail.com. Enjoy. This Podcast is Making Me Thirsty, episode 59, Peggy Lane O'Rourke.
1: this podcast is making me thirsty the number one destination for seinfeld fans this episode 59 our guest today is a writer producer and actor she has been professional acting since she was five years old and hundreds of productions on stage film and television including king of queens will and grace the tonight show she created the acclaimed series don on the go and of course she was in over a dozen episodes of Seinfeld from 1992 through 1998, we are super excited to talk with her today. Please welcome Peggy Lane. Peggy, thank you for joining us.
2: Hi, guys! Thanks so much for having me.
3: Peggy, welcome to the show. And actually, Tony just mentioned it that you started acting at five. I didn't know that, yeah. um, and I don't trust IMDb. But let's yeah, let's yeah. let's go back in time a little bit. I know 1991. You're on one of my favorite shows, Hunter with Fred Dreyer. I That's Love true.
4: that. That's true. Um,
3: so then, a year later, you know, you're you're on the suicide 1992 with Seinfeld. Tell <laughs> us a little bit about how the whole opportunity with Seinfeld came about.
2: It's it's really interesting because uh, Hunter and Seinfeld overlapped at the time. I was working as a stand in on the show Hunter, and on the typical summer hiatus, which is usually three or four months, I did a TV movie, and I met a couple of ads. That liked me and they wanted to bring me on Seinfeld that next season but I had Hunter <laughs> Hunter for me was five days a week like 12 hours a day It was a lot of money and multi-camera sitcoms like Seinfeld for stand-ins are like three days and they're shorter days mercifully but again it's you know like half the pay And I'd already committed to Hunter, and I didn't want to be this person that just jumped around, so I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it, and then when Hunter ended, I got a call the following year, 91, to be on Seinfeld again, which was insane, because when in life do you get a second chance at something, Right. you know, especially something that turns out to be Seinfeld, you know? (laughs) And I mean, I couldn't believe it. They apparently they didn't, they weren't happy with who they had or whatever. So the offer came my way again and, and thank God, because it changed my life.
1: And so you were, you were originally, you were the, you were standing for a lane.
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: Talk, talk us through a little bit of what that, what that looks like from someone that doesn't mm. maybe not know what it's like on a set. Like, oh, sure. it's, you know,
2: like- it's almost akin to what in theater is an understudy, except that you never really get to go on. You know, you go on for rehearsals, but obviously you can't be on in the show. But for rehearsals, for camera blocking, for lighting, you are, you know, standing in for Julia. So if you're camera blocking the little kicks or whatever, that would be me. If Julia's sick or she needed to be with her child or something, I would rehearse for her, which was, it was just fantastic. You know, I mean, it's, it's, I had studied acting for years and I learned more. Through stand-in work with working with people at the top of their game, than I felt I ever learned in acting class. So you,
3: so on, you were so you were full-time stand-in from ninety-two to ninety-eight for Julia. Yes. All right, and then and then you sprinkled in some acting. And I'm assuming you probably yeah. took part in a lot of things on on the set. No, I mean, did yes. you? Because you are by trade, you know, producer or writer. Uh, yeah. Did you? Were you in kind of any of the writing rooms while any of these episodes?
2: No, I I wish I had been, but that's actually where I got the desire to be a writer. was working on Seinfeld. Prior to that, I was just, you know, I want to be an actor and, and being on a show three days a week or whatever, it gave you a lot of time to audition and go out for things or do a play on weekends. So it wasn't like your whole life was just this exhausting 60, 70 hour week. So it worked great for that. Um, what I did learn on Seinfeld is I helped, I helped the A.D department a lot. So I would like, do the paperwork, the skins, the breakdowns of you know how people get paid. I would block the background in the coffee shop. So I would learn, and I would watch the monitors and make sure that everything matched, and I figured out very quickly how easy it was to do that, because now if you watch, <laughs> you'll see like the opening shot of the coffee shop, you'll see a master. And you'll see one or two people cross. the rest of the time, mostly people are sitting, and right. the boots behind them. And then it's only like when Kramer enters that you need a cross to show that there's other people. So it was very simple. I had also learned from being on other shows as a waitress that you don't need to carry a lot of food around, because food makes noise. Food spills, coffee cups, you know, utensils, they all make noise. So now when you watch the show. Notice in the coffee shop that they're mostly just taking orders because that's quiet, <laughs> and that was intentional
1: That makes sense, and I do notice that they're always they're always leaning in or pointing to that's right and I always tell yeah, yeah, there, was yeah. In there
2: and get in there you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah,
1: um so it sounds to me like um like it was. A, like a master class in everything about being on set. I mean, you're learning how to act. You're not obviously you're, you're, you're honing your hair off the acting, right, right. You're picking up on writing, you're doing stuff directing wise. I mean, that yeah. must've been like a, basically a master's class.
2: It was awesome. I mean, it, it is what you make it, you know? I mean, there's a lot of people that have jobs on sets and, and they, they sleep or they eat or, you know, they're reading the paper or they're, or they're bitching and moaning or whatever. And I was like, look at where I am. I know where I am. You know, how do I get to here myself? Like I'm just on the outskirts of this. How do I move further into this? So what can I learn? You know, I learned so much working on that show.
3: And so, and you were there in 92, right? I mean, so 92 was season three. Yes. Possibly my favorite season, maybe season five. It's debatable. Yeah. Um, and we'll, and we'll get into that in a minute, for sure. Yeah. I want to, I want to get your take, but yeah. so when you, you got brought in as a stand in, mm-hmm. like is there a tryout, an interview or how does that work? And then how do you, how do you make the shift to try and out for some of these, like, I know they're small roles, but there's like, right, right. you have to pitch yourself to like Hirschfeld. Like how does, how'd that, how that come about?
2: Um, well, let's see. Uh, well, I, I'll go with the last question first. Cause yeah. it's, it's the easiest. And, um, because you're standing in, you're doing the run-throughs there's on uh, slide shot on a Tuesday. So their week would begin on a Wednesday with a table read and they would maybe do like a wardrobe fitting or something and maybe rehearse a little bit. I and the other stand-ins would come in on Thursday which is the day they would really rehearse the script and see if there were any changes from the network. You'd probably get a blue script by now. And you would rehearse that for the writers. It was considered a producer's run-through. So you're going to producers, which is what you do in casting. So they are seeing you. So uh, the very first line that I got on the show was, the suicide, you were right. (laughs) And I had done it in the run-through. And after the run-through, Tom Sharonis, the director at the time, said, if that line is still in there on Monday, it's yours. I thought, okay, <laughs> you know, I've been Very auditioning cool. for shows and for you know a long, long time, and you never, no one ever says that to you. So I go home on the weekend. I light my St. Jude candle. I pray. You know, <laughs> get there early on Monday. I look at page fifty-four, and it's still in there. I'm like, well, we'll see. Maybe things change. But no, I did in fact have it, and it was a process that was—it's like the carpool lane of casting. Because you're there, because you're there, they have the opportunity to see you. Because on the other side of that, if you go through casting with an agent, they'll read 12 people for that one line. I've been one of those 12 people that reads for one line. And everybody's qualified. Everybody's got tons of credits. They're all talented. You know, it's, you don't always get those. You know, it's very hard to get those. So it was a real blessing to, to have that.
1: So what what yeah, that that's i mean that's I love hearing stories like that where it's like you know yeah. you got yourself in the position to where you need you need to be you're in front of the right people, and then uh you know like you said, mm-hmm. lucky or not, I mean you were there and and they 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 pulled you you know for these spots when they when they saw that you were right for it. What was your, um, I mean, like we just said, you were there for such a long run. Now we're, we're huge yeah. fans, you know, Howard mentioned seasons three and five, it's a toss up and obviously four, but yeah. we kind of think the show goes, goes in a different direction after you mentioned Tom Sharon's as the director. Yes. I mean, we're, you're huge fans of his and, um, uh-huh. you know, we can see the tone shift after he leaves and especially yes. after Larry David leaves, obviously. Right. What, um, what was that like for you being on the set throughout that entire time? I mean, was that change palpable? Could you see a difference? I mean, oh, not, not bad, absolutely. Was just, what was the difference? Maybe you could talk
4: about. Absolutely, sort of, the so biggest change.
2: Like. Well, for me personally, was I had come in through the ads that worked with Tom Sharonis. So when Tom Sharonis left, they left with him, and then you don't know. Like, well, do I have to go too? <laughs> you know, because that's a lot of times what what will happen. Right. If a director of photography leaves, usually the camera crew goes with them because he, you know, he got them hired. So if he leaves, you usually go with the people that brought you on. So I was happy for Tom. Tom got um, an amazing deal. They actually made the change after he'd already signed. So he got his full year salary basically to go and he still got to work on other shows. So, I mean, it really worked out well for him. And um, I found that Andy Ackerman was coming in with different ADs that I didn't know. We were like, Don't know, you know, and they were they were nice enough to go. No, no, keep the people you have, but you don't know that.
3: But you know, you're like
2: sweating it
3: out. Right. And listen, Ackerman came with a great resume. Resume, no doubt. But yes, the the, the Sharona is. like did did something happen? Like from higher up, was there like some conflict with Jerry and Larry? Like was there reason? What was the reason he left the show? Do we know?
2: Well. I mean, I only know what I observed at a distance, you know, right. like I'm not privy to other conversations or whatever. Sure. Tom, Tom was a very, very down to earth, no bullshit kind of guy. He'd always have his little fishing vest on at one <laughs> time. A guy, yeah. 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 Very, very down. I really like Tom. I think he's a good guy. And at one time on the floor of the show, when the show was just starting to pick up this kind of Thursday momentum, uh, we right. had a lot of agents, and people's publicists and stuff on the floor while we were shooting the show. And the camera guys, the dolly groups that pushed the cameras couldn't even get to their marks because there'd be some guy with a cell phone out there, you know, or whatever. And I I do remember Tom doing one of the coolest things I've ever seen. He was just, he was like, get these people off the afternoon floor. He threw CAA off the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you don't see that often. You really don't see that often. He just wanted to get the work done. You know, it's like, you're not supposed to be linked. If there's a piece of tape that says A3 on it, there's a reason for that. <laughs> you know, That camera guy's got to get there. He can't get the shot. We can't get the show done. Mm. And you're just standing. So I often wondered if that played a part, if that, because those are powerful people.
3: Yeah, that's, uh, it's so interesting. We've never been on a set, but you
2: mm-hmm. uh-huh.
3: have heard from a lot of the actors from the show is kind of, Larry David was the boss. But it sounds like, like, I guess there's That's, a chain of command here, but it's like Sharonis had a lot right. of input and, and power on the set. I'm just curious. Um, just, yeah, the dynamic on the set, right? You mentioned Sharonis. Mm-hmm. Like, what's yeah. Larry and Jerry doing on a typical, you know, you mentioned they air on a Tuesday, or sorry, tape on a Tuesday. Like, right? take us through that Tuesday. Like, what's, how long is the day? Mm. What happens? Like, sure. it, like, I don't picture Larry as, like, the general running things, but maybe he is. I don't know. Like No, he was. He was.
2: Absolutely, yes. (laughs) Usually in television, because most television shows will have a rotation of directors. So there's, like, one person that has to, like, really keep the thing together, keep the show that was pitched.
1: Sopranos a lot, like Chase... Yes. them Together, but they had a lot of directors on the soprano Exactly.
2: Exactly. Like, that's usually how it had, works, like,
1: too. Though it was like and I know acronym. that was it.
2: Like, I know like, it didn't it really happen as much in multi-camera. It happens in single-camera because they need a week to prep, so one person can't do it all. So, like one person will be prepping, the other person's filming, and then vice versa. So, but you have this job of showrunner, which was Larry David and Jerry. They had pitched the show to NBC. NBC bought the show based on their idea. So directors usually on TV are very talented hired hands, as are the actors, you know, because it's, it's their show. You know, you'd see the actors pitch lines sometimes or have an idea, and then you see Jerry go, nah, nah, you know, <laughs> and it can be frustrating for people because everyone's creative and they have great ideas, but again, this was a different kind of show, you know, a show about nothing, and they didn't want to be like other shows. And if you were to have visited the show, you would have thought that Larry David was the director. You would have absolutely thought that. And I, I remember um, an actor, Rick Overton, actually, who was the Drake. <laughs> and he came over and he asked a question to Tom Sharonis, who was sitting on a director's chair in his cool little fishing vest. And he's like, hey, too big, too, what, you know, what do you think? And he goes, that's a Larry David question. <laughs> I, okay that's interesting because <laughs> i wouldn't have thought that you know but you know it's it's their show they pitched the show so but uh, i think the question that you asked was what it, what was a typical tuesday uh tuesday would on average be like a 12-hour day we would have had scenes like the exteriors that you would see on new york street that were pre-shot on monday sometimes maybe a car scene or something that would be pre-shot So that would be played back or reenacted for the studio audience. We would come in around 10 or 11 and refresh the show. We we rehearsed the scenes for the camera guys to make sure that everything was good. Um, There would be a meal break and the audience would load while the meal break was happening. A lot of times there were different lines coming in for people different dialogue coming in for people while the audience is loading, the show is still being written. And people don't know that, you know, if, if you've ever been to a taping or know anyone that's been to a taping and it seems like the actors, wow, they've been rehearsing all week and they don't know their lines. They might've just got that line. Oh uh, yeah. Which is really, it's, that's a lot of pressure. You gotta really be, you know, because especially I noticed for actors that come from theater who really, really want to be prepared you you can't in theater that doesn't change that play that you saw Larry David that's that's a play you know you honor that text and and those lines aren't going to change or you found a funnier joke or whatever so it's it's a lot of adjustments the audience would come in i think around i forget if it was 6 or 7 and the filming with the audience would usually take maybe 3 or 4 hours and then the audience would leave and jerry did the the coolest thing i've been on a lot of multi camera sitcoms but at the beginning of the show, the audience would be seated, whether it was season three or season nine, you know, Jerry would run up the little steps to the audience in the bleachers and take the microphone and talk to everybody and do a few minutes of stand up.
3: Just like in the, oh, wow. like the pilot from season four. Yeah.
2: yeah. But we had a separate set. Yeah. You know, for that, that was far removed. He ran right up. I mean, if you were sitting in the front row, you're like. There's Jerry.
1: (laughs) And this is all the way through, even the later seasons when the show was there. Absolutely. Every
2: single Tuesday, he did that. And I thought it was the sweetest thing. And he just welcomed everybody and thank you guys for coming. And he'd walk them through a little bit. And then we'd have a warm-up comedian also. All these shows have warm-ups and and sometimes either a live band or a DJ. And the warm-up comedian would always explain, you know, okay, we pre-shot this scene yesterday and we're going to play it back to you. And then we're going to show up in the coffee shop so that you could really follow the storyline so it all made sense and one of the things that people absolutely loved and i don't know if people have told you this but like the car shots that had they instead of playing it back sometimes they would like just drive the couch they would put the couch up or they would take some folding chairs and people got such a kick out of that because you were seeing something that no one else would see
1: that's really cool actually yeah, idea. I like that.
2: people love that.
1: Um, so what What was some of your, I mean, you're, you're, you're there for that such a long run. I mean, mm-hmm. what is some of your memories as far as like, you know, um, maybe stuff we didn't see that like you just mentioned. So were there any bloopers mm-hmm. that really stick out to you or something like that or like deleted scenes? Oh God, there were like, so many. Where something happened that you're just like, this is incredible. I'm mm-hmm. actually seeing this right now.
2: One of the biggest things that happened is uh, we, have, we went in one week for a, a script Larry Charles wrote called The Outing. And it was very, very different than the show that finally aired. Um, it was a white script. We went in one day and then we, we shut down because it wasn't working. And Seinfeld is one of the few shows that ever, that ever took the time to do this. And it was if they weren't happy with the script, they had scripts, but they would work on it and they would fine tune it and get it to the, the level where Larry and, and Jerry were happy with it, that they would just take a week off. Now if you're on the crew it kind of screws you up and you're like I'm budgeting kind of for this or you know or maybe you have another show that you're trying to juggle the camera guys usually had two shows so it got tricky but because they did that and because they took the time to really make the show as good as they could that's why we got 9 years you know for me it 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 made total sense. let them make a good show so we can come back next year you know
3: yeah and i think that's a what- Jerry always talks about he he calls the show homemade so like there's so few people on the show like you mentioned and you mentioned Larry Charles and we've had Peter Peter Melman on and I think and you mentioned Sharonis like yes like these guys are just like incredible minds can you share any any insights into like how it was working with with Melman and Charles specifically
2: I I listened a lot I mean we were not to the writers' room, but I would mm. listen on sets and run-throughs. And a lot of times, they would do the network notes, and sometimes we were nearby, and I would like pretend to be doing something, but I'm listening. You know? <laughs> I want to. I want to learn this process. And Larry Charles, to me, god he was the most like renegade, yeah, typewriter. He would come up with with scripts that didn't necessarily to me seem Seinfeldy,
1: right. Yeah, that's, you know, that's his thing. a lot of his episodes yeah, are
2: exactly. And yeah. then they would, you know, hone it a little bit or work on it. We did one episode. I can't remember what it was, but it was I think it was Larry David and Larry Charles on a boat getting pummeled with water.
0: Yeah, that's in uh, the pilot when uh, Dalrymple wants. There you go. Yes, yes. Greenpeace I knew you guys would know. Yeah, Larry David <laughs> and uh, Larry Charles
1: are in uh, the boat for Greenpeace and Dalrymple.
2: Larry Charles was like he was <laughs> like Russell Crowe and Gladiator with that. I was like bring it. He loved. You could love, see Larry like, oh god, oh. <laughs> I just thought nothing to me further illustrated the difference between them than that. You know, I mean, you would. Oftentimes, we'd get a script, and even if you didn't get the cover page to see the writer, you would go, oh, I think this is Carol Leifers, or I think this is Peter's. You could hear, like, a tone or an idea to it. And a lot of times, I would go up to the writer on the script cover, credited with the script, and say, oh, my God, I love this line or whatever. And they go, yeah, that's not mine. I go, yeah, you feel bad, you know? I go, sorry. <laughs> I thought, you know? But a couple times, I would tell jerry i mean oh this episode's great he says yeah yeah we only did like 30 percent of it and i think oh because it really was a committee right you know
1: interesting um so yeah that that's kind of covers a lot of the writers and, and directors mm-hmm. what about the actors so i know you know obviously the main four we've talked to a lot of the guest stars you know you yeah and some of the ones you, you were in with um you know the jimmy and um yeah. you know, park and space one of our favorites uh you have a great line in the face painter. You're the one. Who, you know, you bring the matzo ball soup to, to Georgia. He, uh, <laughs> says I love you. But like, what? What? What was some? I mean, you're so when you're standing in as Julia, is Jerry bouncing those lines off you and and George, or is it their stand-ins too, or is it a mix of both? Like, how much interaction with the other actors did you have? I mean, you were there for so long. I'm assuming a lot. but yeah. I mean, you could talk to like working with all those guys, Michael, sure. Richards it and it uh,
2: it depends. It depends on what you're doing. It's a, if you're camera blocking, then it's all four of us stand ins. Um, if you are filling in for Julia in a run through because she was on a film or she wasn't feeling well or she wanted to be with her kids, um, then you're working with the other actors. Hmm. And um, we all often, Norm, who stood in for, um, for Kramer, for Michael, we seem to get to rehearse the most because Jerry was always there. He was- Right, always, he's always, always going to be there, right?
1: Even if he's not in the scene. He's yeah, even if he wasn't
2: sick. He showed or... up with laryngitis once when we were doing the maid. The maid, the maid. Yes. yes. Yeah, we talked yeah I, to, I think Angela Angie told Fathers. you that. Yeah. Yeah, we talked
4: to <laughs> yeah,
2: and Deck was off on the side reading the lines, and he's, you know? <laughs> so Jerry never really got, I my, my friend Deck who stood in for him, he never really got to work with the actors as much as we did. And unlike a lot of shows, these guys were very welcoming to us, you know, they treated us no differently than they treated each other. That's not the same on all shows that I've been on. A lot of times they will not even like look you in the eyes. You're like, dude, we're just trying to help you. <laughs> you <know?
4: Right.
2: laughs> like, yeah, I mean... um, So it was, it was, it was, it was just, it was great. Um, One of the, one of the things I worked the most on was with Michael and the sniffing accountant
4: when he's oh, sitting yeah.
2: at the bar um i had an off camera line but on camera i was the waitress that threw the bar thing over and hit him
1: yeah yeah
2: so we rehearsed it a lot and i so didn't want to hurt him you know we must have rehearsed it six or seven times he going harder 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 like like i could yeah if i hurt you not gonna go well for me
4: you know right
2: so anyway during the meal break when the audience is loading and they padded the thing up they put a lot of padding brown padding that would have matched. And then I rehearsed with, with his stand in Norm. And I said, can I try this with you? If I hit you like this, does it hurt? You know? And you know, no, no, it's good. So we're there and the audience is there and all that energy is coming at you and stuff. And I did it. And I just threw it. He said harder and I threw it and then we cut and then Michael goes, that really hurt. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Shit. <I> mean,
3: <laughs> the sniffing accountant, is one of our favorites again that's a season five which right. is just an incredible season so you yeah what were i mean god you were in some great episodes i'm trying i'm looking at it now i'm trying to think i mean even in the parking space wh- where'd you grow up peggy
2: i grew up in chicago born and oh, raised okay yeah. well
3: i mean we've yeah mark DiCarlo, pat Finley oh, like there's such yeah. a rich
2: oh Pat Finley is such a nice guy
3: Ah, oh, yeah great guys he's so good You you Chicagoans salt of the earth, let me tell you. (laughs) Well, let me tell you but in the parking space you just had that like New York like you know like yapping with the person next to you about the so funny. But what's your what's your favorite episode that you were in?
2: That I was in. Um it's different because you know, you like an episode, sometimes you see when it finally all comes together. Like I absolutely love the parking space. I think it was hysterical um not just because i had a line in it but what happened during the filming and you you guys may already know this but when we were filming outside on this like miniature new york street it got dark
1: yeah lee uh, Lee ironberg just told us that yeah
2: yeah yeah, he just told
1: us about that it was a long shoot right
2: exactly and we're outside i I thought that was
1: done by the lighting department to make it look like the day was like a long day they were out there
2: that's That's crazy We're all standing out there and everybody's thinking, well, did we come back tomorrow? What did we do? And then it basically Jerry, Larry, and and the director all decide that it's actually even funnier that these guys are so stubborn that they would stay out there all day and all night. So we just kept going. And I thought that was perfect. That was perfect. So for, I mean, I love the fact that I'm in it and I'm a little small part of it, but, and my friend deck is also in it as a storekeeper. He was Jerry standing but i love it for that i love that they they went with it you know because you don't see that on a lot of shows most sitcoms would be well we'll have to come back tomorrow and shoot it before the audience or we'll just show it to them and we'll shoot it next week because that's what we wrote down <laughs> you know it's yeah, like,
1: that is i mean it's crazy because it's one of those things where it worked out perfectly and they
4: went with exactly. it. I love that too yeah
2: and it made it even funnier i mean it really did um the parking or the parking garage had a similar thing, which you probably know. Yeah,
1: yeah. Where the car was, wasn't the car to wouldn't start. start. Yeah,
2: and yeah. I mean, it's even It's like this—perfect poetic karma ending, you know. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> so those are your, as your favorite because you were in it. So I guess you were on the show so early that we were, we usually ask if you were a fan of the show before you were no. on it. But I mean, the show—you were on season two. Did you come or season three? I guess it was season, season three it was season three, season the first full so. season. Not many people were, I mean, we were fans in season right. two, but I mean, I don't know if you right. were, it was even on your radar. Oh, uh, I
3: watched it. I our,
4: watched number, it our number
3: one episode of all time is from season two. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. really?
2: Yeah, Which yeah. one? Yeah. Can you, can guess, you, it, it, can
3: you, can you guess it, Peggy?
2: Can
1: you guess
2: it? No. Oh, okay. The phone? That was message. the one that impressed me.
1: The phone? Oh, message. okay.
2: Phone oh, okay. Phone oh, I, I, I mean, tippy toe, tippy toe,
1: Lemon Tree, Lemon Tree. Actually, you know what? Our, uh, yeah, our number one is from the phone messages and then the next two are from season three. So, I mean, we're, mm-hmm. that's where we're coming from.
2: The one that I saw, because I had gotten off of the show and had to turn it down. You know, I, I decided mm-hmm. to watch it to see what I was missing. I was on a very traditional cop show, you know. It wasn't Hunter, more, come on. Hunter, I can't blame you. For that. Hour, exactly, show, so I know. I
3: M- McCall, right? Yep, <laughs> I'm
2: watching. Saturday nights
3: uh, at 10 o'clock.
2: Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, I'm I, you know i'm watching seinfeld and stuff and i the first one i saw was a chinese restaurant and i thought i'd never seen a show do this like in real time you know like the whole show was just about waiting for a table and i thought oh this show is too good it'll never last
1: <laughs> who does right, right, that
2: right,
1: right. you know yeah i mean so yeah
3: so, I. so you know a lot of the actors, they say the secondary. I think the beauty of the show was letting the secondary character shine, and I, I think yes. there was such a humility from even though they're making a you know, a whole lot of money, but like such humility from Jerry, uh, Jason, Julia, and Michael. Like, mm-hmm. was that? Did you feel that too, even as an yes. extra, even someone with small? Yes. Yeah.
2: Yes. No. Absolutely. I think you're 100 percent right, and I'm glad that that it shows that you feel that. Um. They were extremely gracious with even with each other, like Jerry in particular would be, you know, I think this is funnier if Michael says it or you don't always see that because a lot of times number one on the call sheet wants that joke for themselves or whatever. It doesn't work like that. But he's sitting there with the writer's mind, you know, thinking, no, it serves the show better. And um, the guest actors that came in, they really they got to shine. Those roles were beautifully written you could i mean i would sit there and i would watch people just hit it out of the park as guest stars And they, oh god in two or three years they'll have their own show and without phil they almost all did like brian Cranston comes in you're like this guy's right. fantastic you know right. <laughs> and there were yeah, so Anthony many star people that came in that. yeah how,
1: um Cranston, you could just see like how's this guy not a huge star yet and he was just doing uh Seinfeld, exactly it became one but exactly um... and i
2: met him <laughs> Excuse me. I met him years later on the CBS Redford lot. He was doing Malcolm in the Middle, and he he still remembered me. And he's like, "Hey, bag how you doing?" And we talked a little bit. And I was like, "You know, I knew when I saw you. You know." Yeah. And that was before Breaking Bad. You know,
1: right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So, so you're, you know, talk a little bit about the show that you that you created, The Don on the Go, because I'm assuming oh, cool, all nice. of this, all of this experience you got on the Seinfeld set and all these different facets. I mean, on that show, you created it directed it, I believe, right? Yeah, you, yes. you produced it. You're, so yep. that had to be, you know, I can't imagine you doing that without having the experience from Seinfeld. I mean, can
2: you Exactly. You talk a little bit about how no, that, it's true. How I, I, I was on Seinfeld and Will and Grace for almost 15 years of my life, like a third of my life. And I really learned like the heart of comedy, how you can take unlikable characters and make them likable or make people care what happens to them. And uh, particularly on Will and Grace, where you were taking a subject matter that not everyone was open to or cared about. And um, just a brief example of Will and Grace. We were doing the show right after Ellen's show had kind of failed or dropped in the ratings after the coming out episode. So everyone believed that you could not do a, sh- a gay show.
0: Right, right.
2: So a lot of our, our crew, I was with Jimmy Burroughs then, and we would go from show to show to show. And, and a few people on the show were concerned that the show would never make it. And they weren't, some people weren't particularly thrilled about the subject matter. We had been filming for about a month. We did a Halloween episode where um, they had like, they were dressed as Starsky and Hutch. And Jack met a guy and then they, it, it looked like it was going to work and then it didn't. And some of these very people that were didn't think the show mattered or whatever were like, oh, <laughs> they were sad that Jack didn't work out with the guy. And I thought, oh, my God, they did it. They found a way to do it for people that might not care mm. or might think that this is so different for me. I don't understand it. And all of a sudden they're on his side. Within, a, within four weeks, they did that. And so my goal with my show, because it's about my friends who's handicapped and still dances, was a lot of people don't know people with a disability or anything, and they might not understand it, or they might think, hey, hurry up, get out of my way, or whatever. If you can find a little heart in that, something to identify with and, and still make it funny, then maybe people will care, even if they don't know they do. So that's the goal.
3: That's a. I mean, that's a great message. I mean, <laughs> and coming from the uh, the the you know, the no hugging rule applies. Right, uh, right,
4: right. I know. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I know. Hat, hats off to you. Um, yeah. So did you? I no. Just and more about down on the go. Like you're, you're obviously like you mentioned. Larry David was like the director. The show. Right, like right. Everything to that show was.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Was he a? you know, more or less a role model for Absolutely. I mean, in some ways, like obviously not personality wise, or, you know, maybe you guys mm-hmm. are, like, but um just like structure of a show and how to how to run things. You, yeah. You know,
2: I, I admire anyone that has like the courage of their convictions, you know, and however that manifests itself or plays out. But I mean, there was one time when NBC was doing a block of things. It was a blackout. It was blackout night on NBC. Mad about you. Single guy. The lights went out. And Larry Dave was like, go around us. <laughs> like, Don't tell us how to do our show. We got our little show here because he had the numbers to back him up. They didn't, you know, we had the lights on that week. And I just thought, but that's a guy who knows a show.
3: So speaking of that, just getting back, I know we, we touched on it earlier. The, you know, Sharon is left. Um,
4: right.
3: Larry Charles left. Mel- kind of, He popped in a little bit, but for the mm-hmm. most part, he was, after season five, after the Hampton stuff, he kind of left. Like, tell us, a l- I mean, I know you're on the show. Ratings mm-hmm. are great. Probably exciting. But, like, did you did you on set feel a difference? Did it get a little, we always feel like it gets a little cartoonish. Which, it's funny, you know, on Instagram, Twitter, like, that's what most people actually yeah, we're lean towards. I don't know. And, but and like, love. You know, whether it's Yada down. Yada, yeah. Super Bouncy, mm-hmm. all that. But. Right. When, Right. But when you were on, did, did you feel that too? Or, or what were yes. you a bigger fan of the early years or the later years?
2: Uh, the early years.
3: Ah, early yes. Years. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. With, without fail. I mean, and the shift that I think that you're feeling was that you had older writers in the earlier years. Those guys were, I don't know, late forties, fifties at the time or something. And as the, as the show got more, most of the guys were from Harvard. As the show got younger and younger writers and showrunners, you see that shift to what I also agree is cartoonish. Right. And the characters remain the same, so it worked, but one of my favorite episodes was uh you're Jerry going to get the rental car and it's not there. Right. You right. know? Like I know why you have reservations. I don't think you do. You know, and I that's one of my favorite scenes in the whole run of the show because everyone's been there and you can identify with it everybody's lost their car in a parking garage you know but when you were throwing like balloons off of, of roofs and things and stuff it's like well that uh, who identifies with that now you know that's different that's a different world
1: right exactly Peggy, you're life.
3: speaking our language
1: well yeah you're talking <laughs>
3: our language. i mean the, that's the um yeah, yeah. And that's the alternate side episode, which I think we ranked. It's in our top five, and that's what this, oh, yeah. this podcast is named after. That obviously with these pretzels, that are making me thirsty. Yeah,
2: yeah, I
4: think yeah. I
2: think I, a lot to of me, it was a definite. I think a, lot a of definite shift finding, in writing.
1: It, we're finding is. um it's the demographics, too. I mean, a lot of the Twitter, Instagram people, I was talking mm-hmm. about, didn't watch the show when it aired, they watched the reruns, and I think that makes a huge difference. It's kind of hard to explain, right, right. but I just feel like it does. I mean, if you weren't, yeah, absolutely, it, you're kind of just picking up from here and there, but um. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned right. the, the, the you know, as we're talking about the later seasons, I also think in the later seasons the the, the guest stars, who uh, we, we like the one the one hit guest stars, like an episode like the Jimmy, you know, or, or things like that. But um Right, right, no, right. not taking it in the way. I mean right. we had him on, we had Peterman on, John O'Hurley, but like as the putties and mm-hmm. the Petermans got bigger roles and they kind of and, and even Newman became right, right. things like that. Um, as someone who's been on the set for for that mm-hmm. whole run, like we're talking about. Was the, um, I don't know. Was it was it noticeable that the, the the scripts were leaning more towards that kind of stuff? I guess we kind of just talked about that, but um, I don't know if it really.
2: Yeah, to me, absolutely.
4: Yeah. A- yeah I mean,
2: absolutely, you know, and I mean, Jerry's talked about this many many times, but the show started to get criticized more in season nine. You know, yeah. where people that just loved the show were sort of saying the same thing that we're saying. But and the ratings
1: were there. I mean, that's oh the absolutely he could have easily
2: they were driving right. Brinks trucks up yeah, to his yeah, house to come yeah. back, <laughs> but he didn't want to. Right. Because he didn't want the show to fall in the fall even what he felt Yeah, was the I mean it's quality. hard to
1: do not. And also, they were doing tw- over twenty episodes by then, yeah. too, right? Season two yes. was there twelve episodes, right? Um, so season one
2: was just four.
1: Yeah, it was just the they four called right? that
2: a season, you <laughs> exactly. know. And season two was twelve or thirteen. I can't remember. So I yeah. mean, really, one and two combined isn't even a whole season.
1: So did you? I know you. You were on uh, Melman's show that he had. Um, have you? Oh, it's like been, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did you? Any? Were you? I don't know how it works so much in the business, but are you, you know, keep in touch or see any, anyone else from Seinfeld from time to time or any of the Yeah, stories? absolutely. Oh, yeah? In oh, fact,
2: yeah. I'm probably going to see Peter uh, next Monday. There's a, a group of us. I don't know if you oh, know Stephanie cool. Kennedy. She was yeah, our- Yeah, we talked to Stephanie
1: Kennedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. She's a her wonderful
2: woman and she's having a party at her house with the people that are here locally. And Peter's <laughs> supposed to be there. Oh, and
3: i Ask her, make sure she shows you this coffee mug, I all right? Got I, will. One also. I
2: will, I absolutely will. <laughs> <laughs> you
4: know, <that> picture. <laughs>
2: yeah, I see Carol Leefer like at party. time from time to time. I, I used to see her at the T V Academy, I keep in touch with Jason and Julia Very and cool. uh, my friend Norm and Elza, our boom operator, will be there. Jeff Miller, our camera guy. So yeah. it, it'll be nice to see the people that are still in California anyway, right, you know? Right. Very yeah. Cool.
3: No, that that's yeah. awesome. It just it seems like such a close knit group, and everyone we talk to, like no one has a bad word to say about anybody, which is yeah. really, rare, which is just rare. Yeah, it's whether it's really rare. Be, yeah to to mm-hmm. someone uh, you know a main actor, it's just uh, the generosity. It seems to be great. Yeah. And you mentioned the food. Even Melody Smith said the food was incredible. So there oh, you the go. food was insane.
1: The rap party is really
2: fun. Oh, the too. rap parties are incredible.
3: Oh, yeah. Tell us oh, about yeah. the season five
1: rap party. It's all the we hear about. season five rap party was the most amazing thing ever. I think. Was that the Griffith? That must yeah, have been Griffith, Griffith Park Observatory. Yeah,
2: that was Griffith one of my favorites. Um, It was an orchestra that had played at Julia's wedding. We had like a full-blown orchestra. And I mean, I personally, I love the like the fancy parties because you're dressed in, in jeans and stuff every day. And it's nice to dress up. I enjoy that. We had a party at Santa Monica Pier once. And it's like, look. I can go to the pier, okay? I have like four dollars. I can go to the pier. I know everyone liked it and had a lot of fun, but it's not that hard to go to the pier. It's impossible for me to get Griffith Observatory close to the public, right? So I can wander. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that. That was an incredible party. That was one of the all-time great parties.
3: So Penny, what are you? Uh, what are you up to these days? Uh, how you? How you keeping? Are you still kind of entrenched in the business? Any new projects you want to? Not oh, sure.
2: very much so. Um, well, I'm still working on Don on the Go. Now that the COVID protocols are starting to, we're starting to get this under control, I can work up to a season four, which I had been working on. And I awesome. uh, just joined the Alliance of Women Directors because like, what I really, what I really want to do is direct. I know it's a cliche, but I've, <laughs> I've seen so many good people do it, and it's such a collaborative thing, especially in television. Like you know, the number one focus, obviously, you make you good and stuff, but you got to make your day. And I do see a lot of directors that come more from film and it's more sort of about their vision. And that's not always what TV is, particularly sitcoms. You know, you you gotta make the day. That's what, you know, (laughs) number one, make your day. So like when a thing like that happens and you're shooting outside like on the parking space, Mm. when a thing like that happens, you wouldn't have made your day. You might've picked up a few hours extra here and there, but my God, you made a classic, you know?
1: Yeah, you made our day
3: today. Peggy.
2: you. Oh, thank you so much. You guys are <laughs> so sweet.
3: Yeah, Peggy. I mean, good things happen to good people. You're certainly one of them. Oh. And yeah, uh, you, you've had a great career from Hunter, you know, my favorite show. To
4: <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah.
3: To stepping in and Seinfeld and kind of making a huge impact. Uh, we can't thank you enough for the time. Thank you, Peggy. Oh, thank, thank you, you so guys much. so
2: much. This went so quick. My yeah. gosh! <laughs> hey. you guys forever. <laughs>
3: we'll do, let's let's do it again sometime. Very cool. I
2: would love to anytime.
1: Awesome. Thanks. Right.
3: Guys, Thank you much. Guys Thank you. so
2: much. Yeah, yeah, we really appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, guys. Congratulations on your show. Thank you.
4: Thank you.
1: Bye. Have a good night. Bye.